Welcome to the second season of the PEBC podcast. My name is Michelle Morris-Jones, and I will be hosting our series on phenomenal teaching. In season two, we will take a deeper dive into how the strands of the PEBC teaching framework, planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment, cultivate student agency, equity, and understanding for each and every student. I am honored to share these conversations with authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers with you. Today's episode is sponsored by Pinnacle Assurance, Colorado's trusted workers' compensation provider. Thank you so much for listening in. Today, PEBC Lab host Jana Durbin is joining us once again to discuss how the instructional elements of the PEBC teaching framework come together to cultivate agency and understanding for young learners. Jana is a multi-age primary teacher who is passionate about curiosity, student discourse, and celebrating the brilliance of young learners. Jana, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing these days? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me come back and um, talk to you again. I am happy and grateful and hopeful, and also I'm a nervous wreck. I'm overworked and stressed out, so I am like every human on earth right now, just all of it, all all the time. All of it, all the time. I love that. All of it, all the time. And you're so honest and... Just, I'm so excited to connect with you. It's been fun in the last couple of days to kind of check in and hear about what you're doing in your classroom. And I just know that, you know, the words that you just shared just resonate for so many teachers, right? Like, how can we be fearful and hopeful and and excited, but also really, really exhausted? And, you know, as we're kind of heading into this part of the school year, you know, we're right here in the middle of March. We're looking down those last couple months of school. Um, more and more students are being able to return to their buildings. And so I'm just really excited today to talk to you a little bit uh, just about a fear that I have. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Lay it on me. So I have been hearing and reading so much about learning loss. And I hear it all the time. Learning loss, learning loss. Like, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? And so I've been kind of developing like, two different perspectives. One is, yeah, we've all been out of school. School has been disrupted, but schools are beautiful places where kids go to learn and experience joy. But then I also have this worry that there could be this large scale reaction that's reactionary and negative. And I'm worried that we might have this entire generation of kids who feel like they were labeled as behind or instruction might gravitate more towards like skills in lieu of critical thinking and engagement. And like I said, I see these beautiful images from your classroom and I hear about the work that you're doing with your young readers, writers, and mathematicians, and I'm so inspired. And I just am reminded of the importance of joy and creativity and play. So my question for you, we'll get right to it. Are you worried about learning loss or do you have other worries about students being away from the classroom? Uh, Yes. And yes, it's totally a really, a real thing. It's a real thing I've lived with this year, and it is a real thing we are all going to live with next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And Michelle, today is kind of amazing that you and I are recording this podcast almost a year to the day that we all went home for remote learning. Um, So that's, there are kids who have been home 
with their teachers for a year now, and they won't be back to school until next August or September. Um, it's a long time away from the classroom. And learning loss, we can't look away from it, but we have to work through the fear of it. Um, I've been in the classroom, so I've had a chance to do that this year already. And I think not only is it academic, but we're social beings. Our brains are social organs. Like, we need each other. Classrooms need to be full of little people um, spending time together. And so the learning loss is on a social level and a personal level. Uh, it can feel overwhelming. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's important, like you said, to note, like it was almost a year ago to the day, you're right, that so many children and teachers went home. And I just really want to celebrate and honor the hard work that teachers have been doing in whatever context they've been in. Because I don't think our conversation is about anybody not doing enough, right? right? Like all of our colleagues who are working, you know, from home or supporting remote learners who haven't been able to come back to school have been incredibly innovative. They innovative. They have created virtual communities for kids. They've brought families into the mix in ways in which we maybe didn't see possible before. And so I want to make sure that everyone listening knows that we aren't worried or concerned about anything that that might have you know happened or didn't happen during this time, but it's just a reality yeah. that children have been away from the classroom, many children, for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I wanted to, to hit on, too, is I'm so appreciative of all of my peeps out there teaching so hard, whether they're um, in the classroom or at home. Um, I think we did a really good job as a society to to yes. appreciate teachers way back then. And I just want us to say, again, we still appreciate you. You're wonderful. Um, and you have a really hard job to do um, in the next few months. My kiddos have been with me since August, but we uh -huh. did go home between November and January. Um, so I saw at the beginning, it was mainly we just needed to be together and play. Right. We just needed time to play and, and muck through all of our fears. I mean, I know I had fears going back, but so did the kids. And mm -hmm. they might not verbalize them, but they were still there. It was like this surface tension of like, can we be close? Can we really talk? Can we turn and talk? Can we turn and look at each other? Um, mm -hmm. Can we touch stuff? And after some time of just being together and building that community piece, which is so important, every teacher knows, we finally could start digging into actual, real, meaningful work. Um, but trying to like find that balance, like I was uh, talking to you yesterday about this even, of like, we have more playtime this year. We have more recess. And doing that early on has really helped their academics now. I mean, they are just exploding with creativity and thriving. And we have choice time to now. And they don't want to do any of 
the things I put out. They want to make books. They want to put on puppet shows. They want to um, they want to build stores and sell things to each other. And those are all pretty academic choices to make on your own time when you could be doing Legos or marble runs and, and things like that. So it's been cool to see how community and joy has helped their academics this year. I love hearing about that connection. It's so interesting because I hadn't thought about this before, but you have had two re-entry points because you had your students come back in the fall when it was terribly scary and there were so many unknowns and there were so many even more parameters than there are now. Then where you teach, you were sent home for about two and a half months, three months. So all of November and December December, came back. Part of January. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when kiddos came back and they were re-acclimating to the classroom, did you notice anything like that second time that was different or are you, do you have kind of a, any other recollections of like, what did you notice about kids and their needs? What did they retain? What, you know, I noticed myself, I got real tight. Like that first week back, I was like, Ooh, what happened to your spelling? Ooh, where's the quality? What is going on? Um, I had to check myself, really. Mm -hmm. I had to take a step back and say, I just don't want to spend the rest of my year with them, climbing all over them about these little discrete skills. It's just not my way of being. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I really just needed to do was think, what is really important to me and what is most important to kiddos? And... What's most important to me is that they're in a happy, safe place and they they know someone believes in them. And what's important to them is that they have ample time to read and practice their reading strategies independently um, and with conference with me. They have time to write, same, and they have time to do math and they they have time throughout their day to muck around with all of those things, whether we're doing art or science or history or reading workshop, writing workshop. It's just, I needed to integrate it more. Mm-hmm. So I let's talk about stop, that. Yeah. I needed to stop looking at all the little nitpicky things. Right. So you came back in January, recognized that lost some traction, that there were some skills that had slid, that kiddos maybe weren't attending. You had mentioned like like they were to details. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are you doing to make up for lost time? Well, I just started thinking about all the little things that are embedded into our day. And I don't need to teach spelling during word work time. I can just do that all day, every day. It should just be, we shouldn't just be working on that in one little time of our lives anyway. It doesn't really make sense. And it's hard for kids to transfer um, knowledge of, of one little area of their life to the rest of their life. So in the morning during research lab, we started talking about what does our write-up look like? What should it have? What's a quality piece of writing? And I started doing cakewalks, you know, the old school cakewalks. I play some music, 
we walk around our tables, so we're still socially distant, but we look at each other's work, um, and then we go back and look at our work. We say things we liked that we saw in other people's stuff that we want to try again tomorrow to make ours better. Uh, so it, I started bringing this communal piece in along with quality, and and the kids now fully own it. I mean, the other day, we gave out some stickers. Mm-hmm. Every kid got stickers. Everyone was so amazing. Everyone had titles that were underlined and dates and captions and labels and spelling and um, beautiful pictures that were colored. It just, it was wonderful. It was my favorite part of the day. So that's how we've tackled things like spelling. So I don't have to go by and say, hey, so-and-so, spelling, 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 spelling. It's just, we're all gonna make our spelling better because that's what we do as writers of nonfiction. And that's what we do when we sit down and write stories about ourselves and our lives. And yeah. So it's almost like you flipped the switch. Yeah, I went big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you went really big Mm -hmm. and kind of raising the bar and we're all in it together and we're all going to achieve this goal. Together. Together. Yes. And what we also do, this whole idea of this togetherness, um, it builds this rapport for all of us. It's like shared history, communal space together is too. is like when we do these little cakewalks, hey, if so-and-so's doing something you didn't see them do last week, oh my gosh, let's talk about how much they've already grown in just one week. And so... It's almost like giving them the authority to the, uh, let me use the word, agency of noticing and naming each other's stuff and their own mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't have to be in charge of that as much anymore. Then it's really self-directed. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a great example. And it was so concrete of taking one skill that you were noticing that was kids were having some struggles with mm-hmm. was kind of remembering the spelling skills that they'd already obtained. They weren't applying them. You flip the switch a little bit. Now you have these beautiful, incredible lab write-ups from these little first and second graders and really, really honing in on their craft as writers. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about reading. Um, you know, just getting the words off the page and making meaning. How are you making up for last time in that area? Oh my gosh. You know, um, just thinking, uh, we when we went remote, we started a biography unit, and I didn't, I didn't have this epiphany, this great plan. I just, I don't know. It just seemed right for this year. It seemed like where we were and where we needed to be. Um, and in hindsight, I just am so happy that I took, we have done biographies now for two months and we have read so many biographies. I just typed up a list of like 15 people we've studied. Um, And to do it this year in COVID, to study humanity and other people and inherently in a biography is, is someone's struggle someone overcoming Mm -hmm. a struggle. Um, And so many great picture books have come out in the last like five years. 
uh, on biographies. Now they just, all they want to do is read biographies. All they want to do is talk about people and um, they want to, they want to write biographies. They are writing about themselves. All like they put in their own about the author on everything uh, because we've been studying biographies so much, and they're always connecting back to that at any point in the day. The oh, that reminds me of so and so's life. Oh, that reminds me when we read about so and so, and I had worked in the thinking strategy of determining importance which works beautifully with biographies. Absolutely. Um, and so they're reading, we do a full reader's workshop every day. And I'm gonna tell you, I have some kiddos who will maybe not exactly make benchmark, but they're just gonna be like, just a little bit, just so close, so many of my kids. And they didn't come in from the year before because we had gone remote. Right. At at where they should have been anyway. Mm-hmm. But because we went slow to go fast and because we held to the workshop model all year no matter what, they've had ample time to catch themselves up. And now it, it's just a steamroller. Like... I mean, I'm watching them click away at book levels left and right. So I think if they don't get there, that's okay this year. They're getting they're getting so close, and we have next year. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of my next question is kind of what are you noticing since they've since you've come back, and since you know you've really engaged in juicy text and really taking that kind of communal kind of approach to feedback and empowering one another and increasing agency. Um, you just said something so interesting. They're just clicking through some reading levels. And I think that's <laughs> so interesting because as a primary teacher, of course, you're always progress monitoring, wanting to know how your kiddos are doing, but you're also very workshop-based. And so your students have a lot of time with text, a lot of choice, um, you know, practice with their comprehension, practice with their fluency. Um, but Anything else you'd like to add in terms of what are you noticing at this point in the year? You guys have been back in the classroom for a couple of months. What's going on? Well, I noticed that what didn't look like a first and second grade classroom at the beginning of the year now looks and feels like a first and second grade classroom. Um, It's a lot of independent workers who can very intelligently tell me what strategies they're working on, what goals they have, um, how they want to improve. They can um, take on those tasks for themselves, even though I don't don't have to come by now and be like, oh my God, the spelling. Oh my gosh, the handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) They're just, now they're just like, I walk by and they're like, Jana, don't worry. I'm working on my handwriting right now. Okay, fantastic. Jana, don't worry. I'm read- I'm not just going to read Elephant and Piggy. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to go read some other books too. Like, I love those, but I'm going to challenge myself. Um, so I feel like they've built identity. I feel like they're finally now really 
fully engaged in school. Mm-hmm. And and when I tell them they have to stop, oh, they go, oh, I could have done that for another hour. <laughs> so, so now, I, I don't know, it just feels like old times. It just mm-hmm. feels like a classroom should feel they're happy, we're joyful, and they're, they're excited about their own learning. You know, it's so interesting to just think about the resiliency of children. And, and their inherent desire to learn and to explore and to express themselves. And you've really provided that space when they've returned to the classroom at whatever time, the beginning of the year or after being out on your hiatus for such a long time. And, you know, I think for all of the children who are returning to, to school in the next couple of weeks, or maybe even in the next couple of months, that remembering that seems so important that children are learners, young children and our adolescent and young adult learners, and maybe people. We're all learners. And you know, I do feel space. like, I like what you just said, because um, there's been times in my life, uh, I went to college to be an English, I was an English lit major, so I read a lot of books. And then there were times in my life when I read no books. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I read nine books in a month. I couldn't put it down. Um, so I think there is something to be said about human beings. And and sometimes it's okay to struggle. I think, you know, we've been hearing so much about that with mindset, growth mindset anyway. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's asset in a struggle. You're, you're, you are stuck in a rut. Or like if I pull the rubber band back, you know, you're kind of stuck there in place. But once you let it go and once you get out of that rut, I sometimes think you can really bounce back um, right back to where you were. And if not, even farther than where you were the time before. Mm. So I do feel like there is going to be real fear and worry and we are going to see some loss and... We can love kids through that, and they can love themselves enough to take on the struggle, too, and really bounce back. Wow. So that's so interesting to think about, just that like, idea of the rubber band, right? We can we almost propel ourselves further mm-hmm. once we're giving, getting back into that context, right? Like once we're released, it can almost happen. So I want to hear from you, if you don't mind. How might your experiences from this year inform your thinking and planning for next year? So it's kind of that idea of, you know, what do you want to take from this experience of the last, really, 365 days? Who would have thought we'd be having this conversation today? <laughs> really? Yeah. But what, what do you want to take, and take forward with you? I mean, there's a lot of stuff people want to leave behind, but what do you want to take forward? Um, I think I want to remember at the beginning of next year that... They're going to have some social and personal growth that I think I need to attend to before I need to start really, really worrying about the academics per se. And it's I'm not saying that we won't start school the first day of school. We absolutely will. But um, I think we need to build rapport. I think we need to be social. I think we need to wade through those fears for little people too, especially the little people who didn't get to go back to school yet, mm-hmm. this was this is going to be a big first day back 
for them. Um, so I want to give a lot of space for social and emotional support and community mm-hmm. um, and routine because really it's through that routine and workshop that then they get to sink in and own and do and then become whatever it is they grow into. So first I'm gonna go slow. I'm gonna take care of their little hearts and hands and we're going to put all the little pieces in place to then really let them crank it out that second half of the year. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to look like how this year is looking. And I think this year is ending up to be better than I had imagined. So mm-hmm. so that idea of really taking care of their little hearts and their little hands. I love that. I love thinking about that. And what you just said is so critical. Like It's going to be a first day of first days, isn't it? First day of first days. Like, Quote be big and so I was just thinking about that in my in my like I'm picturing like children just coming out of all sorts of spaces all around the country Uh converging on schools and just that excitement and that energy and and just the way in which you set up those rituals and routines for kids um can we talk a little bit too about the role of art and inquiry and play Mm -hmm. In your classroom, because I think that that's a piece that when you talk about, you know, building rapport and taking care of their hearts, how will you prioritize that or, or what are your intentions or in that area? Yeah. Uh, this year gave me some freedom to go back to a time. Um, I am old enough to remember a time before No Child Left Behind and Common Core and um uh, just when things were a little different and um, maybe a little more whole child, more projects and, and things. And um, education has changed and grown and morphed. And um, But there are some things that I don't do anymore that I do miss and I think are important for kids. And I do think that the education system had to, we had to leave behind art and music and science and these tests came in and we started compartmentalizing things and and pulling stuff away from each other. Um, So this year I did feel like I had an opportunity to revisit some of that. And a lot of it was through art and music. Um, A lot of it was through big projects as a group, which I would also categorize under art, but um, that was part of our communal piece was like once a month we did a major art project. It took us maybe a week or two. Um, and one of one day in the biography unit, we just studied timelines and we made a timeline of our classroom and the kids did it through our art projects. And it was such a beautiful reminiscing of like, remember when we made that torn paper oak tree in September and we had squirrels scampering on the branches. 
And they would just turn to each other and say, oh, I remember yours. Oh, remember mine? Mine had this and yours had that. And, oh, it was such a, like, lovely moment to just watch that that art had been so powerful this year in bringing us together as a group um, and gave us, it gave us some identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, that's just something I don't think I can give up anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was that we gave up choice time to do those, and they never ever were like we want choice time. They loved those art projects, and we're still doing them. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm glad I got to revisit, and I got to see in a different way this year as a community building piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we did a bunch of inquiry projects. Uh, that was really through our remote time at home where they wrote books and did their own um, posters. We made totem poles. Each kid had a piece of our totem pole of their nonfiction uh, deep dive that they did while they were at home. Um, and those were great, too. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, it was nice to revisit those sorts of things again. Mm-hmm. So that creativity. Yeah. Like that is a piece that sounds like is something that you were able to revisit because things were so flat. different. Yeah. <laughs> flat. And, flat, yeah. And yeah. now going into next year, that'll be part of your intentional planning. That'll be something that you want to bring forward to build community, give children a chance to express themselves. You know, it feels like it's just as important as learning fiction and expository texts and poetry and it should just be a part of a primary classroom of exploring um, art and uh, getting to express yourself in that way as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, Jana, it has been so interesting just to reflect with you at this time. I mean, thinking about, you know, like we've said a couple times on the podcast, it's been a year. And just, you know, kind of what are some of the fears that we might be facing as we move forward, but also what are we hopeful for and what are we excited for and what what have we discovered about children that maybe you just wasn't illuminated before? And so as we wrap up, I am curious, um, what are you, what are you hopeful for? And what would you like your learner, these listeners to walk away with today? Uh, I can tell you what I'm really hopeful for is to sit and talk without masks on. Um, That I haven't been able to accomplish this year, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a passion of mine, and um, I can't wait to get back to doing that again as a community. However, you just said things were illuminated because we don't get to have that really beautiful speaking piece. We have been speaking through our writing after research lab, which was when we were doing those cakewalks. And um, th- that their nonfiction writing this year is better than I've ever seen, maybe because of that. So a balance of both. Um, yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm just hopeful for kiddos to be together. Mm-hmm. I... I'm going to tell you, like, the month of September in Colorado is so beautiful, and we went out to recess a lot, and I would just sit and listen to them giggle, and I just thought, 
this is this is really all they need right now they just need to laugh with other little kids um i almost want to cry thinking about that right now oh i'm just really hopeful for that yes mm -hmm. Well, Jana, thank you so much for holding the hearts and minds of young children in your heart so big. You um, will look forward to hearing those giggles in the next couple of days in your own classroom and then thinking about September and just that full playground and that full classroom and a full heart and all of the learning that kids will get to experience and hopefully um, a diminished fear around learning loss. And knowing that kids have grown as much as they can this year, and they've probably grown in ways that we can't even name or express or identify so far. True. Absolutely true. Jana, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. Thank you for joining us today. I hope our time together bolstered your agency and understanding. I would like to thank our sponsor. Pinnacle Assurance is Colorado's leading workers' compensation provider. For over 100 years, they've been at the forefront of protecting, understanding, and caring for workers and local businesses with trusted coverage and expert safety resources and services. The ways we work will undoubtedly evolve, but the need for worker protection always remains the same. In closing, PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado and works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding as described in Wendy Wardhofer's newest book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. 